Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 128 for New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2013. I'm Chester Wisniewski, and I have Paul Ducklin with me today. Hi, Paul. Hello, Chester. Uh, happy New Year's Eve. Thanks. I, I, uh, it has been a pretty good year all the way around here at Sophos. Uh, sad to be in the office this week because it's pretty quiet. A lot of folks off work, but we don't stop here at the Chat Chat. No, and though it may have been good for us, we were just talking about what we'd lead off with, weren't we? And uh, it was going to be have to be Crypto Locker which meant that some people didn't have a fantastic 2013, at least from a data retention point of view. Yeah, I guess this episode, rather than go uh, through the week's news, of which there, you know, there was some, but we thought we'd kind of look back a little bit at what we thought the biggest stories were for the year. And without question, I think we both agreed that CryptoLocker kind of took the cake, if you will. Just in case anyone missed it all year, uh, let's just revisit what it does. It's malware, infects your computer, scrambles all your files by encrypting them with a public key to which only the crooks have the private key. And once it's done the encryption, it says, hello, if you want to buy the key from us so you can get your files back, that will be $300 or 300 euros or about the same amount in bitcoins, if you please. Yeah, and, and if you manage to not pay within the 72-hour time limit, they also later on began a service allowing you to uh, pay, I believe, a thousand US dollars. No, at the time they did that, it was it was more like uh, $2,000 worth of Bitcoins. It also showed that they weren't terribly honorable because they said, if you don't pay in 72 hours, we will delete the private key. And that is that, which it would have been cryptographically. That was the way they did the standover to try and force you to pay. But it turns out they didn't delete the keys and uh, ran this sideline business of charging you more to get them back after the deadline. Well, and I guess it's important to point out why we thought this is more important than perhaps some other stories, because I know, um, you know, we talked about a lot of malware this year on the blog in particular, but I mean, we had papers on things like zero access, and I know some of the Mariposa guys went to prison, and there, you know, there was a lot of malware news, but I think the reason, in my opinion, that this was really interesting as a topic is the cryptography was done right. To my shock, it almost seems like they did market research. That $300 or 300 euros you mentioned is right on that fence line of not quite too much. Most people that have a computer uh, with always on internet access probably could scratch up the $300 if they really needed to. You could argue that they looked into the unfortunately great success that the fake support call guys have been having. You know, the guys who call you up, I'm, I'm with Microsoft, you've got a virus, uh, let me help you get it off your computer, it'll cost about $300. Seems to be the price point where you're squeezing people enough that they sort of feel this is really important, but not so much that they just go, you know what, I'm going to take this on the chin and just cut my losses. That $300 seemed research to me because I heard from several people that while they had backups, for their company to retrieve the backups and actually restore the files to their laptop that was compromised would cost the organization more than the $300. And, that, and on a cost-benefit calculation, they decided it was easier and faster to pay the crooks. All of this raises our second topic, which is impossible to ignore in 2013, which was the leaks by Edward Snowden, the so-called PRISM 
leaks and why we were so obsessed with Prism. Is that just because it, it's a government rather than a criminal and, and you know, that, that raises our, our, the hair on our back a little more? I mean, what do you think the cause of this obsession with the NSA leaks was? I think you've got it in one there, Chester. It's something that a lot of people understandably feel indignant or perhaps confused or concerned about. And literally and figuratively, it's the stuff of spy stories. So, of course, it's going to get all the attention. If it does cause us simply to become, as you say, obsessive about things that might be happening to the point that we ignore the risks that are going on day by day, those hundreds of thousands of cybercriminal malware samples that Sophos Labs process each and every day, the tens of thousands of newly infected web pages, as long as our focus on PRISM doesn't cause us to take our eye off the very, very, very large and fast approaching ball coming from the cybercriminal quarter, then we'll be okay. The funny thing is that the things we do to protect ourselves against, say, the NSA reading our email are the exact same things that we would use to stop criminals from reading our email or accessing our files or anything else. So to a degree, I'm happy to leverage or or piggyback on this obsession with the NSA stuff if it helps bring everybody along to a better place. But uh, it is kind of a misplaced focus uh, when we clearly are failing at the very basic things, which is not just how the crooks are getting into our computers, but also the NSA. Yes, it's exactly the same sort of issue that comes up when people say, hey, it's the holiday season. What should we do especially at this time of year to look out for the crooks? The answer is that as long as you don't let your guard down because it's a vacation period, there isn't anything really special you should do at this time of the year that you shouldn't be doing at any other moment. Well, I guess there are things related to the holiday period that can pose greater risks. And unfortunately, we learned that this year with the target breach. While there's not anything that the consumers who may have been victimized could have done about it, the reality is that merchants like Target at this time of the year are processing more payment cards, debit cards, all this kind of stuff than they do any other time of the year. And so for the crooks, it does present an opportunity. I sort of agree with you, but I still think where you're heading down that dangerous rabbit hole of saying, oh gosh, the Target breach was was much worse at this time of year because it was 40 million accounts, whereas, gosh, if the crooks had actually succeeded, say, in September instead, it might have been a mere 4 million. Uh, you know, that would still be pretty catastrophic. Yeah, I, 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 I agree to your point there. And, and I've, ha I've made this point about things like XP zero days, where there were some journalists uh, quoting some experts saying, oh, you know, the crooks are going to hold on to zero days until after April when the final patch comes out. And I find most criminals are much more greedy than that. They're not going to hang on to something that may be patched and then be valueless. And that's probably exactly right, Doc. Uh, you know, the, the, the guys that compromised Target, when they got in, they weren't going to sit around and wait for Christmas. They were going to steal everything for as long a period of time until they got caught as they could. What I think I hear you saying is when it comes to taking computer security seriously, there's no time like the present. Yeah, and I mean... I mean, look at uh, the Cupid Media, which uh, a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with. A, a Australian dating firm uh, had 40 million passwords stolen from them in plain text, right? So 
what time would have been better than any time to have encrypted those files before they were stolen, really? The only time that's correct is before you're compromised, right? Yes, in the same way that the only correct time to do your backup to protect against CryptoLocker is before it hits. <laughs> Too late once it's done its dirty work. I guess there were some success stories there from some folks uh, saying, hey, I'm not going to pay the crooks for CryptoLocker, right? You were, t you were relating one of these. Was that a comment on one of our stories? Yes, people saying, I, you know, I, I, I got hit by this. I did have backup. I was able to restore. So I was able to recover without having to uh, pay up the menaces money. So yes, you can chalk that up as a success story. I think the probably the most significant breach uh, with real impact of both how not to do security and also in scope and scale and size was Adobe. I mean, not only was customer information stolen, potentially credit card information, questionable cryptographic practices, and their own source code. I mean, it kind of had all the elements of a data loss story rolled into one big bucket. And just too late, as far as I can see, to make the print version of Guinness World Records 2014. So it may have to go into the 2015 book instead, as the most giant data breach of all time. Let's hope we don't get one bigger in the first half of 2014, because as you say, that really had, it had scale, it had reach, it had just about everything that you could have done wrong. Yeah, and with Adobe in particular, the password hints were leaked. The fact that we could see those hints, maybe the silver lining there is a bit of a warning bell to everybody that the idea of a password hint is it's not a statement of what the password is. And it's possible to be too glib when you're giving yourself a password hint. The hint really could be said only to weaken security because if it's a reminder to me, then in theory, it's kind of a reminder to anybody else. While we're speaking of not quite getting it right, but sort of trying, uh, I wanted to talk for a minute about security blunders for 2013. I mean, I don't want to celebrate uh, zero-day vulnerabilities and flaws, but at the same time, there were some spectacular fails uh, in 2013 when it comes to trying to get it right. Yes, let's not use the word favorite, uh, but let's use the word wow. What were they thinking of? Exactly, and, and I think the, the, the one, a bundle of them together takes it for me, which was Android. Uh, you know, there was one, two, three minimum flaws found in how Android packages are verified that could allow someone to compromise packages that are legitimate and make them uh, maintain their cryptographic integrity as far as the Android operating system was concerned, but allow someone to booby trap them or trojanize them. Yes, and you would have thought that a company like Google would have been smarter with that class of bug, particularly since it's one that's been well known, um, particularly in the antivirus community for ages, because it's a good way of making, for, for attackers to make zip files, and Android packages APKs are just zip files in a special, with special contents, to make zip files be sort of two-faced. So depending on how you unzip them, you get different results. The verifier used different code to the extract, load, and execute part of Android, with the result that the verifier could see the legitimate content, but what ran was not what had been verified. That's a pretty poor sort of bug when you consider that this is the core, if you like, of the verification process that is supposed to keep uh, applications installed on the phone safe. 
Yeah, and what was surprising to me, I guess, is that after the discovery of the first one, that later on two more were found, and you would hope that there would have been a, a bit of a more stringent code review. It goes to show that we either aren't taking our responsibilities as, as coders when it comes to cryptographic uh, situations, whether that be verifying things or protecting things with cryptography, very seriously. Uh, you know, all these applications claim to have protections and are designed to do a certain thing to make you safe, and they advertise that, and yet none of them were that thoroughly reviewed to ensure that they actually did the job properly. Yes, another good example would be uh, WhatsApp. <laughs> Unfortunately, WhatsApp made a two-time pad, so the stuff that went from your device to their servers was encrypted in exactly the same way as the data that was sent in the other direction, which meant that if an attacker knew any bytes in the replies, either because they sent the reply themselves or there was some constant stuff in there they could guess, then they could basically factor out the key in what you had originally sent and recover at least some bytes of the message you had sent out in the first place. You know, you just think that's a, a rather elementary mistake. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to use a one-off session key uh, and then use it twice. You'd think it would be rather obvious that that was a mistake. The last thing that seemed to be one of the bigger mistakes in 2013, and I guess it ties back to the PRISM story if we really wanted to take it there, is, is randomness. Um, the importance of randomness and how it hasn't been taken seriously enough. I mean, there were, there's all these accusations about the very specific randomness that may have been introduced into some cryptographic protocols by the NSA. Although, of course, as we discussed in a recent chat chat, there was a sort of serendipitous version of that bug, wasn't there, in OpenSSL. After years, and even after getting certification for this code relating to the uh, what's called the elliptic curve deterministic random bit generator uh, that's supposedly tainted by the NSA. And it turns out that the bug in OpenSSL's implementation of that particular algorithm meant that it simply never worked. So it looks as though uh, if it was the poisoned one, it didn't work because no one bothered to use it. And if they had tried, it wouldn't have worked either. Well, I, I'm glad we can end on a silver lining, um, and and it is kind of amusing. And I, I'm hoping that in 2014 uh, we can do another wrap-up and talk about how it was hard to come up with our list, because we didn't have too much of a challenge uh, today coming up with our list. No, we didn't, did we? Well, thank you very much for all the podcasts you contributed to this year, and thank you to all of our listeners for your support. That concludes Software Security Chat Chat 128. As always, for the latest security news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com and all of our podcasts are available at soundcloud.com slash And until next time, stay secure.